Welcome to In The Wind, an interview podcast exploring the past, present and future of the wind industry. I'm your host, Michael Perkins, Sighting Solutions Specialist for Vestas. Today, I'm joined by Antoine Quazet, Sales Engineer for Vestas Asia Pacific. Antoine is responsible for turning wind farm developers' dreams into reality, coordinating the thousands of aspects that need to come together to get a wind project into construction. When I met Antoine, it took some time for us to realize that we both shared something else in common beyond just working together. And that is, it turns out that we were both exchange students at the Luleå University far in the north of Sweden. It takes a certain type of person to decide to spend some time studying 100 kilometers south of the Arctic Circle. And Antoine and I both count ourselves in that group. I'm excited to talk to Antoine because he spent his whole career in the wind industry. He's also worked across many different markets, both as a developer and as a supplier. So welcome, Antoine. Good morning, Michael. Thanks for having me today. I'm, uh, as usual, very impressive introduction. <laughs> I tried my best. You know. <laughs> I'd like to start by talking a little bit about how you came to work in the wind industry. So can you tell me a little bit about how that happened? Yeah, for sure, Michael. Basically, I uh, started in the wind industry just after graduating from university. I started as a project manager for a French developer French wind developer in France. <clears throat> so I started directly to um, to develop, to find, uh, my first job in the wind industry was to find a new site to develop project in France. Mm. Um, and as uh, some people know, uh, development in France is quite long. The average time to develop a project is five to seven years. Uh, so yeah, it's <laughs> but, uh, the first step in the uh, wind industry, and it was a tough one. <laughs> I um, I understand at that time uh, how complex uh, wind projects are. For sure. And and how did you? So how did you? I mean, you were studying at university. How did you decide that you wanted to? do wind engineering or wind, work at a wind company or how did, how did that end up that you end up as a developer straight out of university? Yes, at the university I was uh, studying uh, engineering um, and I was kind of passionate uh, by the energy sector and one of the new challenges we have is to, to change uh, from conventional energy uh, to go to the um, renewable energy mm-hmm. and I had the chance uh, to do some uh, internships um, okay. and some of renewable energy at that time and I, and I felt passionate about it and I wanted to, to continue my career uh, in that path. Uh, yep. So I was lucky enough to, to find this uh, first job um, as, a, as a project manager in a, in a, for a developer in France. Sure. And and what was it like working in as a developer at that time in, in France? It was good. It was complex, as I, as I said. I could uh, could be sometimes uh, frustrating to see that project take so long to uh, to go to uh, to the end and to have a project ready to build. Yep. But it was uh, it was really interesting, and especially that in uh, in France we have quite a lot of uh, nuclear power uh, mm-hmm. in the mix. 75% uh, approximately. Um, people were not, especially as when you develop a wind project, it's uh, in the middle of nowhere most of the time. Um, and people were not 
really convince the renewable um, energy um, and it was good to exchange with them and to try to, to make them understand why it is important and yeah it was all this kind of relationship with uh, with landowners with uh, people committee etc to, to make them understand why this project is important. And so in a day in the life of Antoine graduate engineer in France what do, what do you what did you find yourself doing when in that first job when you were straight out of university so I think the first six months was more to a kind of project assistant uh, to go with a project manager to to learn the job basically so it was a lot of traveling around France to uh, to meet landowners etc um, in, in the site and to, to start the development of the project. Just after that, my first mission was to, to find new sites. How did, you, how did you go about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like quite the mission for a, <laughs> for a young guy. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> we have some um, GIS system uh, already in place in my previous company uh, with kind of some buffers applied to um, in when you take the old friends basically okay. uh, you take some uh, some buffers on the distance from houses uh, from environmental um, area that you cannot develop a wind farm and you have, you have what uh, we call in France per region uh, you have a kind of a general guidelines with um, basically area where you can develop uh, wind farms on area that where you cannot uh, due to environmental uh, impact yep. or it could be also due to um, uh, landscape uh, problematic if you have a UNESCO uh, site somewhere um, and you have quite a lot in France. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I use this uh, GIS system uh, to find new sites. Uh, we have also the map of the wind uh, wind speed uh, in France, the grid connection, etc. So it mm. was kind of doing a mix of all this data uh, to build basically at the end of the day one map with uh, area that could uh, potentially uh, be good for um, for development. So once you have that. You need to, to take the phone and uh, call the mayor, uh, call uh, landowners. Uh, and in France, it's a very competitive uh, environment. So you uh, you have, I don't know, I think at least 20, 20 developers, 20, 30 developers. Each of them are looking for new uh, area to, uh, to develop uh, their project. Yep. So it could end up at the end that you have uh, Four, uh, four or five developers in the same area uh, trying to, to get uh, landowners uh, signing with them in order to kind of secure the project before the real development. Oof, it's, a, it's a lot to jump into straight away, but it seems like a fun challenge. So, so tell yeah. me, since, since then, in terms of your career, so you, were, you started there, how, how did you end up here in, in Singapore? Yeah, so I worked for, for five years approximately as a wind developer. So um, I had time to develop only two, three projects in, in that time, <laughs> which is a typical, <laughs> typical um, kind of um, timeline for, for development. And after five years, um, my girlfriend had the proposition to, to come and work in Singapore. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, we decided uh, uh, to take this chance, and I quit my job in France, and I was looking for for a new uh, new opportunity in the renewable energy sector in Singapore. The huge um, renewable energy sector in Singapore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It was a bit tough. There were basically more offers in the solar uh, sector in Singapore. Mm. Uh, quite a lot of developers actually. Yep. So I was thinking probably to to move to the solar market, but uh, but I found this uh, this opportunity to to work for Vestas. Uh, and it went uh, well, and I started almost five months after coming to to Singapore. So it was a quick uh, quick start, and uh, now I am on the the other side of the negotiation uh, table compared to uh, back in France uh, in my previous uh, company. So uh, it's a really good thing, and I uh, I was lucky to to find this uh, opportunity in uh, in Vestas. Lucky to work with me. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, sure. so, um, what, what did you find were the the biggest differences? I mean, changing from France to Singapore, lots of things change. Changing side of the table. Yeah, I think um, the main change um, was the size of the company. Firstly, I yeah. think um, yeah, my previous company was uh, 50, 60 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in Vistas, we are more than uh, 20,000. 20, so you have a lot of process to, to understand and to be familiar with. Sure, um, lots of acronyms. Lots of acronyms. Uh, <laughs> it's a bit tough. Um, to be honest, uh, yeah. first meeting uh, I had in, uh, in Vistas, um, firstly, it was in English. So it was the first, uh, first change. Yeah. And people were using I don't know how many acronyms at the, <laughs> during the meeting. And I was saying, wow, I'm a bit confused at the end. And <laughs> I really need to understand what are all these, uh, these acronyms. So, uh, it was a, it was a big change. It's also to, to work in Asia. Uh, it's also completely different than, uh, than in France. It's, uh, it's another way of thinking. And, uh, that's, uh, that's really good to, uh, to learn that. Sure. What do, what do you find is really different about that working in Asia compared to France? I think the main difference compared to France and mainly Europe or developed countries is that, especially for the renewable energy sector, it's kind of um, you have a lot of process and everything is in place. Uh, most of the developers uh, are quite experienced. Here in Asia, you you arrive to, uh, on emerging markets. And mm-hmm. um, you you start with um, you have some uh, some um, some big big companies big names developing some wind farms in uh, in the region, but you have also a lot of local developers that doesn't have very good understanding sometimes of what is a wind farm uh, in general. <laughs> uh, they know so, they want to buy yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it's a, it's a really a, a big challenge, I think, to to make them understand the cost of energy, etc. Um, and yeah, I think it's a, the main difference with uh, with Europe, where the market is quite established. Uh, you have experienced uh, developers, uh, and so I think it's it's not the same way uh, you face uh, you face uh, customer at the end. In in contrast to that. Do you think there are some things which are similar? Yeah, I think 
development of uh, of projects seems uh, quite hard also in this region <laughs> i think it was not only in uh, in europe uh, but we we seen a lot of projects um delayed uh, due to um due to a development uh, timeline mm. uh, that takes longer than uh, than i expected uh, i think it that way it's kind of similar similar with uh, with europe and um we we also need to understand that uh, wind farm are uh, bigger infrastructure and it's also uh, kind of normal uh, that we we are facing some uh, some really strong uh, regulatories around them uh, because it's not something you can build up uh, in uh, in six months so yeah it seems like bureaucracy is the same no matter where you go right <laughs> <laughs> true you you also moved from working on the developer side to the turbine supplier side. Was that change sort of what you expected? I think it's um, yeah, it's a little bit more complex than I expected. <laughs> you you need to um, to face really multiple uh, challenges, not only on the sales part, but you need also to uh, to manage all the supply chain etc. Uh, problematic that you you could have. Um, so in that sense, um, it's, how could I say? I think it's, yeah, it's more complex than, uh, than expected. And, uh, that's a, that's a good thing, I think, because we, um, we, we are facing a lot of, uh, challenges, both externally and internally. And we, uh, we, we are really pushing, uh, forward to, uh, to get, uh, things done. Um, and I, uh, and I think it's a really good thing. Um, when you are a developer, what you you want to have um, is uh, the wind turbine on time uh, and to have a to have a good price. But you you don't see all the uh, challenges that suppliers uh, have to handle uh, on the other way. Yeah, for sure. Can you give an example of that? If you are on the developer side, for example, uh, you are working with a standard uh, lead time uh, to get a turbine, etc. So in your mind, you have six months uh, to to have your nacelle, etc. Yep. And you don't really think about worldwide uh, supply chain adjustment that um, that suppliers uh, have. And when you you work for a supplier and you face uh, this kind of uh, capacity problem and you don't have six months lead time but more like 10 months uh, it's difficult to make uh, developer understand that um, but it's it's a reality we can uh, we can face on some uh, some projects on uh, some platforms yeah at the end of the day I think it's easy from a developer's perspective to see that okay this is my project it's the only project in the world that matters and everyone <laughs> wants to work with me and uh, but uh, from the other side you know everyone wants the best the newest turbine and not always the easiest thing to give that to everyone at exactly the time they want particularly when those times keep changing on a daily monthly weekly basis yeah clearly clearly and uh, you see how many projects do we have in the region it's it's crazy and even internally, after we we see all the projects we have in the in the region in uh, Asia, but after you need to think worldwide, uh, and hope is uh, making some um, decision also because 
we have uh, we have uh, quite a lot of projects. We are, we are in Asia. We have a lot of projects in, uh, in North America, in Europe, etc. So you need to take some uh, some decisions. And of course, developers can't see this uh, this kind of thing. Now, while working in Singapore, you've been working across many different countries and and with many different customers. What have you found interesting about the differences between the customers and how they work? Yeah, you could find very different view, um, and it's also depending on the on the market. And of course, when you are uh, working in Pakistan or if you are working in Taiwan, uh, it's not the same way. Uh, it's not the same customer. You have some uh, some uh, markets like Taiwan when you have a quite high feed-in tariff. Uh, so basically, most of the projects are bankable um, with uh, with this uh, feed-in tariff. Uh, and if you work on, on the other way, and if you you work on um, on some other markets, and like probably some options coming in Pakistan, we we are seeing some very competitive uh, cost of energy over there, and it's uh, and we are very pushing to to get project done uh, and to be able to to uh, to meet this uh, this target PPA so it's uh, it's a completely two uh, two different way of working and, uh, and of course customer uh, are expecting different things from uh, from us so you think it's mainly driven by the market the dynamics of those specific markets or is it also just that even in the same market you see customers with completely different approaches mm-hmm. I think it's a big, a big factor of uh, the market. Uh, mm-hmm. But of course, after when you look at one specific market, you could find very different uh, kind of customers. Uh, and if we look at Vietnam, for example, today, which is kind of a hot market right now, mm-hmm. uh, you could find some local developers that are developing only one, two wind farms uh, in Vietnam, and that's it. And um, more and more also uh, experienced uh, developers that are coming to to Vietnam that, uh, for which have a huge pipeline uh, worldwide and they are developing their own projects uh, in Vietnam. Uh, and as such, it's also yeah quite uh, different uh, to handle with uh, these two kind of customers. In, um, for example, but yeah, after I think it's. The market is really important, but of course, after when you you look at each specific market, you will find uh, very different kind of uh, customers, uh, and it could apply. And I think today it's really the case for for Vietnam, for example. Yeah, I've always found that fascinating. That from my side, we are selling, I mean, energy, right? <laughs> Essentially. But it's funny how different different customers can be in their approach on how they want to procure that, how they view that. It's uh yeah, it's it's it varies a lot from person to person. Yeah, I mean, for some local developers, they they will see very few offers from uh, from suppliers, and uh, in the other way, you you are working with bigger and big companies that have uh, procurement in. Europe or North America and, uh, that are doing a uh, hundred of projects, so it's uh, yeah, it's completely a uh, different uh, way of working, and it's really what it's in, interesting in uh, in Asia that you have very uh, huge uh, range of uh, of customers, uh, very different markets also. So uh, no, it's uh, really interesting to work in this uh, in this region. 
Absolutely. And I, and I would add, it's not like one group is more successful or less successful than the other. You really have everyone, yeah, all types building projects at the same time. Okay, now we've talked a bit about the past, um, but now I'd like to talk about something a bit more exciting, which is the future. Yeah, Antoine, what do you see as the, the next frontier for the industry? Yeah, so I think, uh, if, as I said, um, between uh, we have some different markets today, some with filling tariffs, some with competitive options, with a low PPA. I think we, we have been uh, successful to make everyone understand that renewable energy today is competitive. We, we are going with very, very low PPA for uh, in India, for example. Yeah, and, and so we, we see that coming almost everywhere, right? Uh, yeah, it's coming. It's coming everywhere. We are developing uh, new platforms, etc. We are really working hard to uh, to reduce uh, the cost of energy. And uh, today we are we are very competitive, even against uh, conventional uh, power plant. Yes, um, it was not an easy step, but I think we today um, a lot of people start to understand that uh, renewable energy today is one of the most competitive uh, source of uh, energy mm. uh, but today we we also need to um i think the next step today is to to provide service and to align production with consumption so it's a good point to deliver very cheap uh, electricity but if you are delivering delivering this uh, electricity at the wrong time, uh, it was nothing. Uh, so I think it's the next, uh, next steps for wind and also solar is yes. to um, basically to, to align uh, our production um, uh, to, the, to the consumption. So we will need to, to develop some uh, new kind of farms, what we can, uh, we can call hybrid farms with solar plus wind. Uh, plus battery to to uh, to store the energy when we produce and we don't have a lot of consumptions and to restore this energy uh, when we have a peak of consumption. Yes. So I think today that's what utilities uh, are expecting from us is to to deliver uh, first uh, first one cheap energy, uh, but also to to provide service to the grid and to provide energy when it uh, when it is uh, required. Absolutely, and I and I I can see that internally at Vestas as well. There has been this push on cost of energy for the last maybe five years to say we need to be we need to be cheaper at providing the energy that we provide. And and now I am starting. I mean, not that we are losing focus on that, but now finally I'm seeing the focus saying, okay, it's not just how cheap it is; it's when we produce it. And there is focus even I mean in tech in the technology in the research and development part of the business everyone is looking at that now which is a kind of exciting and a, a new challenge yeah, compared to what we're used to it's a big big challenge but uh, but that's why it's uh, it's super interesting and exciting to to work here absolutely do you see in in Asia do you see that the I mean we are starting to think in that way do you start to see our customers and and even the the grid authorities or the the countries starting to think in that way or are we still stuck in this just put in renewable energy into the grid phase it really depends on the market but um, I think it, the region so the one which is uh, pushing it. There are two really, which are Australia and uh, India. Mm. Um, but I think it also depends on um, the percentage of uh, renewable energy in the grid. 
the grid for for each of the of the market. Of course, if you have only two uh, percent of renewable energy in the, the in the supply of electricity for for one country, it's not a big uh, big issue because you can uh, always uh, manage. But when you start to uh, to have a high penetration of renewable energy, you you really need to to think about that. And we we see it in developed countries uh, where renewable energy are above uh, 20 20 percent, and I think in the region it's mostly in uh, in Australia today and India. Other markets for the moment have a quite low penetration of renewable energy, so it will it will come, but uh, but probably uh, not today, but in the coming uh, coming years. Yeah, we still have some projects to build to uh, to <laughs> turn that into a problem, I guess you could say, or something which uh, becomes uh, starts to starts to be something that we need to focus on. Okay, Antoine, I think it's a good time to wrap up. So, uh, yeah, I'd like to say it's it's clearly an exciting time to be part of the wind industry in Asia Pacific, and it's been a real pleasure to talk to you today. So, Antoine, thanks for joining me on In the Wind. Thanks a lot, Michael. Dimension Media.